0: Welcome to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. My name is Alex Damari. Me and my wife, Brianna, are the lead pastors. Our vision is to lead people into a life-transforming relationship with Jesus Christ. We pray that today's podcast will build you up, lift your faith, and encourage you in the journey. Here's the message. I'm so excited to preach today. There's so many amazing things, but before I do, I have a big announcement. Are you ready for a big announcement, Grace City, Tampa? For over a year now, the things you don't know about a pastor is I have to wear my business hat, all right? And so for over a year now, I've been wearing my business hat Monday through Friday, developing and creating a lease for the space that we meet in here. I've been meeting with attorneys, been meeting with the board and the president of Centro Estudiano de Tampa, developing a plan of what it could look like for us to do long-term ministry in this space. You're not going to find places right in the heart of Tampa with a 1,000-seat auditorium and 300 parking spots. Are you with me? And if you've seen any of the developments coming around this region, within the next couple of years, all around us are going to be developments of brand-new communities, restaurants, movie theaters, this area is going to look completely different. So I thought, man, why would we not like lock into this venue and make it home base for a really long time? And so I am so excited to announce that on Friday, both parties signed and we have officially locked into a 10-year lease of Centro Estudiano de Tampa. So exciting. And part of that it's so exciting is this summer July and August we're tearing all the chairs out of this room I hear some excited people we're repainting the room new floors brand new chairs that still look old and vintage yet support your cheeks you know what I'm saying And uh, I'm so excited and expectant. We actually cut the check today. It's our down payment as a church on the chairs. And so God is moving in miraculous ways. Uh, He's opening the door for us to see the lost be found right here. And I believe this is going to be an epicenter. This is going to be a place where it moves from here, a center where the gospel is going to reach through Tampa Bay region. It's going to take place right from this amazing facility. And I'm so grateful that God has opened the doors. Are you grateful for it? Come on. Well, I'm excited today to conclude our We Proclaim series. We've been preaching for the last four weeks now on this idea of proclaiming that we were created and designed to proclaim the good news that Jesus was the Messiah. And our series scripture is Acts 5 verse 42, and it says, day after day, from house to house, the temple courts, they never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. And so for the past four weeks, we've been talking what it looks like to live a life that proclaims the good news, the gospel of Jesus. In week one, we talked about how we are to prepare the way. Like John the Baptist in the wilderness, we're to prepare the way for Jesus. In week two, we talked about the declared arrival of Jesus and what it looked like when Jesus stepped in by the power of the Spirit and he started doing miracles and was declaring that the new has come through what was happening through his actions. And last week during Easter, we talked about the fact that the end Empty grave seals every single word, every promise of God, and it should fill us with joy to overflowing to proclaim to all creation that Jesus is Lord. And I feel like we've taken a beautiful journey to this point, and this whole series has revolved around today. So if you're going to lean in, if you're going to get expectant, if you're going to take notes, today is the day. Because I tell you what. God wants to do something in and through our community today that I believe the preparation of the last three weeks is gonna lead us to be people that never stop teaching and proclaiming the good news that Jesus is Messiah. So this week, I wanna explore the empowerment to proclaim by the power of the Holy Spirit. Let's read Ephesians 1, verse 13 and 14. It says this. And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth, the gospel of your salvation. When you believed you were marked with him with a seal, everyone say seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those who are God's possession to the praise of his glory. Let's also read Acts one, one through eight. It says this, He said to them, it's not for you to know the times, and the dates. The Father is set by his own authority. But here's the ticket right here. But you will receive power. Everyone say power. When the Holy Spirit, say Holy Spirit, comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all of Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. I want to preach a message that I've titled, By the Power of the Spirit. By the Power of the Spirit. Come on, we proclaim by the power of the Spirit. Let's pray. God, right now we thank you for your word. I pray that hearts would be open. I pray they will be receptive to hear your word today. Any past mindsets that would block today's preaching, I pray they'd be broken. Lord, help us to be your hands and your feet. Help us to be your witnesses to the ends of the earth that we would truly proclaim the gospel. I pray that the lost would be found because of what we're doing in this place today. And give us an urgency for the lost. Let every word lead us to urgency to see people come to know you and know the gospel truth in Jesus name. Amen. 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 I have kind of an interesting job in many ways. uh, It's a beautiful thing where I get to disciple people, train, equip people. I get to Raise, equip, and release leaders to operate in their grace zone. Everything that happened here today was not by my doing. It was by the grace on all of these other people's lives that are operating and leading and equipping other people. And so I get to do some of that stuff. I get to be a business guy sometimes and talk with attorneys and, like, you know, do different drafts on these leases and get ready so that we could have a place to do home. Like, being a pastor is kind of a very interesting job. All the while, every week I have to write 3,500 words to present the gospel before the church so that we can continue to be the hands and feet of Jesus as a community united. And one of the parts of my job that's the most interesting is weekly I get to meet with people. Now, hear me. A lot of these meetings are phenomenal. Most of the people in this room, I would say everybody in this room, it's okay, are people that I would love to meet with. And when I do sit down for meetings, we'll catch up on life. We'll encourage each other. We'll spur one another on. We'll pray for each other. Oftentimes, it's over coffee. You never lose when you're getting together with a coffee. You know what I'm saying? Maybe some of you want frappuccinos. That's on you. But, you know, I I love the opportunity to meet with people. But I remember as we were planting the church, And I was spinning so many plates trying to get everything moving along. I had the opportunity to meet with this one guy. And we sat down at a coffee shop and we began to talk. And it's about 30 minutes in when I realized this guy really doesn't have a whole lot to say, right? It really was more of like an interrogation is what it felt like because all I did was ask questions rather than it being a conversation. Can we just like, you know... Can we level the playing field really fast for everybody in the room? When you meet with people, you should ask questions too. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's a conversation. It's not an interrogation. But I was tell- I'm telling you, this guy, it was for 30 minutes. I'm sitting there asking him question after question. And by the end of the 30 minutes, I began to question if this guy is even saved. And I was like, hey, so have you gotten water baptized? He's like, yeah, it was so great. People cheered for me. I was like, oh, okay. I was like, all right, so... Like, do you exercise, like, do you, do you exercise spiritual disciplines? Do you pray? Do you read? He's, and he's kind of like lost when I'm talking to him about it. He has no idea. I'm going, okay, you know, but I'm like trying to plant a church. So we're desperate. Anybody that wants to meet with me, I'm going to meet with them. You know, like you want to come plant a church? Like, And I remember asking him question after question. I'm like, okay, so do you believe in the baptism of the Holy Spirit? He had no idea what I was talking about. He was clueless. I asked him questions like, have you ever served in a church before? And he's like, "Uh, no, I've never served. I'm like, have you ever tithed? He's like, no way I'm giving my money to the church, you know. It was like one of those conversations. And I remember it went on and on and on. And I would say this, now the Bible tells us that If you confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, then you will be saved. But also the Bible tells us that faith without action is dead. So I gave this guy a couple key next steps. I said, man, you got to go do this. You got to open up your Bible. Here's some things you should read. Here's what you got to pray about. I poured myself into this guy. It was about an hour and a half into this terrible meeting. And after that meeting, every text wouldn't go through. And this guy blocked my number And this guy wouldn't call back and never showed up to anything we've done as a church. Pastoring such a weird gig. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's such an interesting job that I have. And so many people, since I've been pastoring, profess that they are Jesus followers, yet they do nothing about it. And can I tell you there is so much more after your simple decision of saying yes to Jesus... There is so much more that he has for you than just saying, yep, today I'm giving my life to Jesus. I say it every week at the end of the sermon. I say, listen, today is the first step in this journey, right? I always say that. I go, it's the first step. Why? Because this life is going to be a marathon with God. It's going to be step after step. He's opening doors. You're trusting him more. You're believing more. You're discipling people. You're serving. You're being generous. You're loving people around you. Are you with me, church? We have to walk into maturity. We have to walk into our callings, walk into our freedom, walking into leadership, evangelism, discipleship, the gifts that God offers and the gifts of the spirit. I want you to hear me today. Discipleship is not about a decade long thing of meeting together with someone, going over the same things, the same things, the same things. Discipleship is in equipping the saints with the basics of our beliefs and saying, listen, your job is to go do that again with somebody else. That's the point of discipleship. So there is so much more to this than just the simple consumeristic idea that we have of this thing. And today I want to explore and teach what I believe is the most important thing we can do after saying yes to Jesus and after getting baptized in water. This, I believe, is the most important step. And it's the baptism of the Holy Spirit. See, in week one of our series, we talked about John the Baptist, how he was there dunking people underwater. It was a baptism of repentance, right? And what he told everybody, he said, listen, I baptize with water, but the one who comes after me will baptize with fire. And week two, we talked about how Jesus came back from the 40 days in the wilderness. And it says that he came into Galilee by the power of the Spirit. To perform miracles and signs and wonders and do the things that he did. Even last week, we talked about the empty tomb and how the empty tomb seals the promises of God for us. And one of the key promises that is sealed is in Romans eight eleven. It says, the spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead lives in you. Do we see this idea revolving around that it doesn't just mean, yeah, I said yes to Jesus, I took one step, and I got baptized in water. There is so much more to your life after those first couple simple things, and he wants to open up so much more for you. Let me explain it like this. Baptism in water, I love to say it like this. I know our team says it a different way. I say it like this, is an outward declaration of an inward faith. Baptism in water is an outward declaration of an inward faith. Now listen to this. Baptism with the Holy Spirit is a securing and empowering experience equipping believers for witness and ministry, and then it opens up into a wide array array of spiritual gifts. Are you with me? Let me read it again. Baptism with the Holy Spirit is a securing and an empowering experience equipping believers for witness and ministry, then it opens up into an array of spiritual gifts. This, when we first moved to Florida, our kids loved to open up our front door and run out the front door into the front yard. And so I immediately went on Amazon, found some child safety locks and put those things at the top of the door, right? I wanted to make sure that my house was secure so my kids couldn't leave. And it works for my kids not getting out. It's a beautiful thing. But you know what it also works for is not being able to get in. And I remember one time our garage door opener wasn't working. And I go to that front door and I unlock that thing and I push it and it was terrible. I had to rip that thing off the door and push it so hard. But really this idea of trying to secure these kids in, but at the same time it it secures... To keep things out. And I believe that the baptism of the Holy Spirit seals the promise for us in the same way. By keeping unwanted things out and by sealing the right things in. Are you with me? Ephesians 1.13 says, And you also were included in Christ when you heard the message of truth. The gospel of your salvation. When you believed, you were marked with him with a seal. You were marked with a seal. The promised Holy Spirit who is deposit, deposit guaranteeing our inheritance until the redemption of those? So hear me today. This seal is a preserving seal. So it's locking in our faith. This seal is an authenticating seal validating our sonship. And this seal is a protecting seal to keep out the destructive forces. Are you with me? The seal of the Holy Spirit is so much more than people going, man, okay, they're kind of a wacko church. They're a Pentecostal church. They do weird things at that church. Oh, they're really expressive about their faith. No, it's a seal of your salvation. It's a protection against all the powers, a protection against sin, a protection against addiction, right? And it's also sealing in the faith inside of you. The baptism of the Holy Spirit is a seal for our salvation. So many people wonder, why after following God and having faith, why it's so hard to fight off sin. Why it's so hard to have faith. And oftentimes I ask the question, have you been baptized in the Holy Spirit? Because I know that they're sealing their salvation in beautiful ways. Okay. Paul ran into some disciples of the way of Jesus. And the first question he asked them is, he go, did you receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit when you... Confess Jesus as Lord, and they had no idea. They didn't know what the baptism was, and in that moment, he prayed for them, and they were immediately baptized in the Spirit because he knew that it would seal in the salvation on their lives. John knew from the moment he was dunking them, right? This salvation of repentance, there's so much more to come. There's something that's going to come that's going to seal the promise in your life. I'm going to dunk you with repentance, but the one who comes after... The one who comes after is going to baptize you with fire. Come on, we proclaim by the power of the Spirit. And so the baptism with the Holy Spirit is a securing and empowering experience, equipping the believers for witness and ministry. And then it opens up into the spiritual gifts. And let me give you an example. One of my favorite stories of the before and after of the baptism of the Holy Spirit is Peter. Peter, who was one of Jesus's three, one of Jesus's closest disciples, followed Jesus for three years, learned from him, gleaned from him, saw Jesus do miraculous things, was there for the transfiguration. Jesus even said in one moment, I'm going to build my church upon the rock. And he was talking about Peter. And then in one story, Peter steps out onto the water, a couple steps more than we'll ever get. You know what I'm saying? Steps out onto the water and then has a lack of faith and falls into the waves. He approaches Jesus and offers unsolicited advice, and Jesus ends up calling him Satan. Like, what a terrible thing. Jesus calls you Satan, you know? Two times Jesus asked him to not fall asleep in the garden, yet he did. Peter didn't show up for the cross, he ran and fled. And even the Bible talks about that Jesus, that he denied Jesus three times, one of them being to a servant girl. He pretended and lied that he didn't even know Jesus. So we kind of understand where Peter is, right? A little bit of a lack of faith in some moments. Yet loved Jesus, was following Jesus, told Jesus, I won't deny you, right? We even see that in Matthew 26 He says, even if I fall away on account of you, I never will. Truly, I tell you, this very night, before the rooster crows, you'll disown me three times. So Peter's like in this tension of going, I love you so much. I will do anything for this. And yet he actually denies to the servant girl. And even after being called the rock that Jesus would build his church upon, Peter has continuously fallen short in his abilities. And then Acts 1, 1 8 comes into the picture. See, what's taking place here is Jesus has arrived to the disciples. They're probably all shocked. I'm sure Peter is ashamed of denying Jesus. And Jesus comes before them teaching about the kingdom. And then he comes in and says this to them. Wait here. Don't leave yet. And you're going to receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you to be my witnesses, Jerusalem, Judea, to the ends of the earth. And what takes place next, this is it, are you, are you guys ready for this? In Acts 2, 1-4, through 4, when the day of Pentecost came, they were together in one place. And suddenly, sound like a blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. And all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues. That right there is directly translated different languages as the Spirit enabled them. So hear this now. After Peter gets baptized with the Holy Spirit, the denier of Jesus, the guy with the lack of faith, he gets up in front of the crowds... And he preaches to the crowds, and 3,000 people were added to the number of disciples that day. Do we see this today? The man who didn't have enough faith to walk on water. The man who denied Jesus, being a Jesus follower to a servant girl, stands in front of the crowds and preaches. And 3,000 people get saved. This is what happened after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. This man, Peter, then goes on to lay down his whole life for the gospel. He gets beaten, flogged, thrown into prison. He preaches the gospel. He starts into being the very rock that God called him to be. He goes the rest of his life and gives everything for the sake of the gospel. He even goes to death for the sake of the gospel. So what changed? What's the distinction? Peter walked with God yet denied Jesus to the Peter who willingly laid down his own life for Jesus. Do you see the difference here? Yeah. He couldn't even say he was a Jesus follower to a little girl. But after the baptism of the Holy Spirit, he went to death so for the gospel. Something very significant took place. And Jesus said it like this in John sixteen seven. But very truly I tell you, it's good for you that I'm going away. Unless I go away, the advocate will not come to you. But if I go away, I will send him to you. So Jesus going away sends the advocate and we saw it unfold and what that means for your life. And I love to explain it like this. When you get saved, you get baptized in water, you become a tool for the kingdom of God. And you work for the kingdom of God. You're the hands and feet. And you can, you can screw, you can, you can, you can use your tool for the kingdom. You can do things, whatever God calls you. But I tell you, it's going to take a lot of effort and a lot of force. And you're going to work really, really hard to be able to do what God has called you to do. But what takes place after the baptism of the Holy Spirit is an empowerment to be what God has called you to be. It's an empowerment to do his will. Peter couldn't even confess that he loved Jesus to a servant girl, yet 3,000 people get saved. Do we see this today? There's an empowerment he wants to do. There's so much more after the simple moment of getting saved. Amen, church? You will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you. You will receive power. And I don't know what your background is. I don't know if this is maybe freaking you out. Maybe you've never heard a pastor talk about the Holy Spirit. I'm finding that to be true we, moving from Washington State, most conversations I have with people, they shy away from talking about this. But if this is Jesus' final command to his disciples, then it should be the most normal thing about our lives. Like, why do we stop the Gospels at simply telling parables when we can be empowered by the parables to go and do the same thing? There's so much more for our lives. We have to lean into the power. This is for witness, for evangelism. You want to know why you haven't been able to tell people about Jesus? The same reason Peter couldn't. This empowerment plays into everything. The power to overcome temptation. The power to pray for the sick and they become healed. The power to preach the gospel. The power to edify your faith. The power to live out your spiritual disciplines. The power to praise in hard times. The power to become a rock. That the church is built upon. And people, you might have even heard of the, the fruit of the Spirit. And so many people just preach, come on, you can get love, joy, peace, patience. That comes after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit is fruit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit love, joy, peace, patience, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self control. And church, here's what I believe. The ability to proclaim the good news is rooted in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. I full-heartedly believe it. The ability to proclaim the good news is rooted in the empowerment of the Holy Spirit in our lives. Acts 5.42, day after day, from house to house in the temple courts, they never stopped teaching and proclaiming The good news is that Jesus is the Messiah. This is after the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because we think about this, oh, that's kind of overwhelming. I don't know if I could gather every day. I don't know if I could talk about it at every moment, like at my workplaces. I don't know if I could talk about it every day to the same person. They'd probably get sick of me. I don't know if I can keep going on this marathon of faith every single day. Maybe you haven't stepped into the empowerment of the Holy Spirit because the early church was walking in the power of the Holy Spirit. So of course day after day, of course house to house, of course in the temple courts, wherever they went, they never stopped. Why? Because they were empowered to never stop proclaiming the good news that Jesus is the Messiah. Paul, who I mentioned, encountered the men. And he asked them if they'd been saved, and he baptized them. And I want to read the rest of that story. Paul said, John's baptism was a baptism of repentance. He told the people to believe in the one coming after him, that is, in Jesus. On hearing this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus, and when Paul placed his hands on them, the Holy Spirit came on them. And they spoke in tongues and prophesied. And there were 12 men in all. So not only do these men have their salvation sealed in this moment, Paul cared, he didn't just care about gifts, he cared about their salvation being sealed in this moment. Not only do these men have the empowerment to proclaim, But now they have the gifts of the Spirit immediately loosed in their lives. And church, if we're going to proclaim, if we're going to see the lost be found, if we're going to declare the good news, I believe it will happen through the power of the Holy Spirit. When this word came to me and I felt this burning passion in my heart to say, we have to see the lost be found in Tampa and beyond. This sermon was the burning thing behind it. It wasn't the the sermon of the the parables of the lost coin and the lost sheep and all that. No, I knew that the only way that a group of people could come together and see people found is by the power of the Spirit. I'm going to invite the band up. I'm teaching my son Emerson how to play catch. bought him a little mitt. We got this like rubber ball, the weight of a baseball I'd rather teach him the hard way and just throw a hard ball and figure it out, son. You're gonna to wanna to catch it, but it's a rubber one, so I guess we're kind of okay parents. <laughs> but it's, it's taking longer than I thought. See, he's a lot like his dad. I'm not very super athletic, and so uh, it's kind of hard for him to figure it out. But after all this time, I mean, it's months and months of trying to learn how to play catch. If his mitt is in the right spot, and if it's a perfect throw, pff, he catches it. So like after, after a half an hour of playing catch, maybe a couple, ca- you know, he'll, he'll catch a couple. I think so often we think of telling people about Jesus in the same way. We wait till the setting is perfect. The throw has to be perfect. If I mess up this throw, if I mess up my approach, it's not gonna land right. So we wait, and we wait. Maybe it's gonna come, maybe it's gonna happen. Ah, okay, not that time. You're not ready yet, you're not, okay, it's, it's fine. I know my son's gonna continue to grow and get better and it's gonna be easier, but I feel like a lot of times Christians are spending their whole lives attempting to learn the fundamentals. And they can only tell people about Jesus when it is perfect. Yet God offered through the baptism of the Holy Spirit that you would get an empowerment, gifts and abilities. Gifts and abilities. So things that you couldn't do on your own, in your own strength. He's saying, listen, I want you to be my witness throughout all the world. So I'm going to empower you to do that. I'm going to give you the power. And I'm going to give you some gifts and abilities that... No matter how much time you put into it, you couldn't do it on your own. It's a gift from God. Peter couldn't tell a servant girl about Jesus. Yet after he was empowered, he saw 3,000 people be saved. See, in 1 Corinthians 12, 4 through 11, it says, there are different kinds of gifts, but the same Spirit distributes them. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, but in all of them and in everyone, it is the same God at work. Now to each one of the manifestation of the Spirit was given for the common good. We also read in 1 Corinthians 14, 1, follow the way of love and eagerly desire the gifts of the Spirit. So like I'm telling you, one step after another. This might feel like a fire hose to some of you. This might be like, yeah, I get it. I know, I get it. But if, if, you, if you're one of the people in the boat where you say, yeah, I know, I get it, then 1 Corinthians 14, eagerly desire the gifts. That's where you can stand today. Maybe today you haven't stepped into the baptism of the Holy Spirit, and that's where you can step in today. Or maybe you have been baptized and you are believing and contending for God to give you the gifts to empower you to do the work of the ministry. In 1 Corinthians 12, there's kind of a list of some of the gifts and there's words of wisdom, words of knowledge, faith, gifts of healings, miracles, prophecy, distinguishing between spirits, tongues and interpretation of tongues. Now, if you don't know, we're, we're a church that believes in the gift of tongues. And there's a couple different ways we look at it and You might disagree with that, and that's beautiful. Can I tell you that? It's okay to disagree. It's okay to see things in a different light. That's okay. But the way that we see it first and foremost is it's to edify the believer. There's two expressions from it. It's maybe a different language that could come out, but it also talks about in in Romans actually that it's moans or wordless groans. It's just a stepping out in faith into your heavenly language. And that can be interpreted, but the majority of the time, we use tongues as a personal edification of your faith, stepping out into the mysteries of heaven, stepping out into the kingdom of God and saying, I don't know what's happening, but I'm gonna step out in faith. I don't know what I'm saying, but I'm gonna step out in faith. I'm gonna do something crazy, outrageous, and I'm gonna step out in faith. And that's how we see tongues. It's for you, for edifying the believer. And the Bible even says, I'd rather you prophesy. And that's in Romans 12, we also see that Some of the gifts are prophecy, serving, teaching, exhortation, giving, leadership, mercy. These are free gifts offered to each and every person. So we can live out the proclamation of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Amen. Would you stand to your feet? Thank you for listening to the Grace City, Tampa podcast. Stay tuned for more weekly messages from our church.